It's our turn. Welcome to the Women of Gaming podcast. Well, welcome back. This is the beginning of season two. I hope all of you guys had a wonderful spring break. Speaking of during spring break, we had an awesome third season of The Mandalorian, This Is The Way, which was a very, very force-filled episode. Eight episodes, really, right? So there's something that Nikki wants to share with us today, something very magical. Nikki, what has you so excited for August? Well, just like The Mandalorian, it's related to Disney, in a sense. And that's uh, Disney Lorcana, the new card game that's probably going to take over my life from Magic, just briefly. <laughs> um, so Lorcana is Disney's new, supposed to be rival MTG kind of Pokemon card game. They say it's not supposed to be competitive, but actually going over the rules that just recently leaked... It does seem like it does see some competition. Combat element to it. Definitely. Uh, There are multiple versions already of certain cards, like multiple Mickey's, multiple different Elsa's. So I wanted to take us into a deep dive of the rules, actually, and see how similar it is to the card games that we have already come together and know and love, especially Magic being the original card game that set the ground rules for almost all card games. So if we could pull up the rules so we can have a look at them. All right. So if you guys have been into any card gaming at all and have been looking into Lorcana, you probably have seen these images pop up about the rules. So uh, what kind of game is this? It says it right here. Disney Lorcana is a strategy card game where each player makes their own deck before the game starts and the decks aren't mixed together. You can play with one of the available ready-to-play decks, make changes to one of those decks, or build a deck that's entirely your own. In a game like this, cards can allow you to do things that aren't normally part of every turn. If a card's text ever contradicts the game's rules, follow what the card says. So already, this is very much like Pokemon or Magic in the sense that you're building this 60-card deck. You have to bring your own deck. And it isn't like the other independent Ravensburger games like, for example, Villainous. However, a lot of it is playing the game Hey, John. Good to see you, Mark. You're trying to advance your own board state. You are not really interfering too much with other players, kind of like Pokemon, but you will try to send your characters on quests, so to speak. So let's break down the kind of cards that are in this game. We have characters, items, and actions. So the characters, um, they're called glimmers. You will send character glimmers on quests and into challenges. Some have special abilities. The items, item glimmers stay in play when you play them and give you uh, give you special abilities during the game. And the actions give you a one-time advantage and are then discarded. Kind of like trader car- trainer cards, kind of like instance and sorceries, stuff like that. That's what actions are. Items are more permanent, so are the characters. Songs are a different type of action, as you can see on the far side there, that one jump ahead. Um, we all love Aladdin. <laughs> all love Aladdin. You can play one just like any other action by paying its cost and resolving its effect 
but that's not your only option. Some characters can sing the song for you, so you don't have to pay the ink. Oh, sorry. So Nikki's dealing with the cold. And of course, right before the show started, my allergies kicked up. So I do apologize for the vocal issues. <laughs> I swear I'm not like an avid smoker or anything. I didn't pick <laughs> up any bad habits. <laughs> um, so parts of the card, if we want to break down parts of the card. So in the upper left-hand corner, we have the cost. It's how much yeah. ink um, the card costs to play. Uh, the inkwell con is the out. I know it looks very similar, but it's cards with this symbol, which is like the um, thicker icon around the cost hexagon, can be put into your inkwell to use as ink. So to cast cards, you need to put ink into your inkwell. That means you're going to turn these cards that are able to go into your inkwell face down, and that's how much ink you're going to have. Inkwell, um, the name, name of the characters. Characters also have a version name listed below, the character's name, classifications, sometimes referred into the card rules, such as broom in this example. We're looking at the purple Mickey there. Ink, this symbol and color band behind the card name indicate the card's ink type. So the confusion that some people have was surrounding the inkwell online. So the inkwell, all of the cards are colorless, like in Magic, to cost. They don't have a color cost. The colors that are on the cards are denoted on your deck types because your deck can only have two colors or up to two colors. So you mm -hmm. just have to figure out what it is you want to play. And the ink key is amber, emerald, sapphire, amethyst, ruby, and steel. So there's six colors. It's real simple. This is one of the colors. And I'm secretly hoping that amethyst and ruby will go well together. Oh yeah, because those are pretty colors. Cards are coming out from those, but those are yeah, I love it. I'm the one who wants to do sapphire and steel, but that's just me. My Digimon deck is purple yellow, so amber and amethyst. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous. This is this is danger for me. So I have a question. Yeah, only only because in everything that I've read for Lorcana that I could get my hands on anyway, the cost of the card up in the left corner. Yes. Let's say like Mickey Mouse, the wizard, the way, wayward sorcerer, that that one right there. Mm -hmm. It says four. Now, yeah. like in in Magic, we have the colorless mana cost. What this would technically represent, right? Uh, aside mm -hmm. from the the amethyst color, which I'm assuming he is i see how would you put that card into play is i guess what i want to know okay so once a turn you can put a card face down into your inkwell with ink cost so you can accumulate cards to play you can um play it by turning it up and using the ink cost you can also i believe cast cards from your hand expending the ink that's how i read it I don't know if I'm reading that correctly because you had to play the actions, obviously, are going to be in your hand. You're not going to, you can't even, if you look at the actions up there, they don't have that thick band around them. So you mm. can't even put them into your inkwell. But you can only do one card that is legal to per turn and you have to reveal it to your opponent first before you put it in. 
Does that make any sense? It it does a bit. I I guess I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around like mana not being used. I've yeah. got such a magic wired brain <laughs> comprehending anything other than Pokemon is is difficult to me, which is one of the reasons why I refuse to touch Yu-Gi-Oh. You don't want to. This... It's fine. <laughs> uh, Yu-Gi-Oh is for people who don't know how to read. It's fine. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> um, so... Lizzie, you had a question. I wonder if they will have structured pre-built decks like pre-cons. They do. They do, fact. yeah. Katie's is one of them, isn't he? I believe so. This is bringing a lot of uh, Villainous flashbacks to me because Villainous is one of my favorite board games to play. Really it the only board game I'll, I'll, I'll ever play. With the abilities like there's an ability for maleficent in villainous where it's like it's a very similar to dragonfire and it allows mm -hmm. you to get a certain amount ahead towards completing that those three objectives that you mm -hmm. have to complete but in the meantime you're trying to stop the other villain from meeting their own objective by yep. using the hero deck which is face down so you're flipping those over to try to stop them from doing things on different places that are different sections on their board that they have right that's yeah. what this would There's remind you of a combat section or a combat portion where it's not it's not combat exactly like magic would be but there is no. a portion where if you were your opponent were to take their card and send it on a quest then you could actually interrupt that quest by challenging it so yes you so can exert your cards like which is similar to tapping the tap mechanic so exerting basically if we would like to go to page two does anyone else have any other questions i guess i can go over this more <laughs> like you said before the goal is to be the first player to gain 20 or more lore and you get the lore by going on quests um on the right hand side here is the lore value of the cards so that mickey has two diamonds next to him that's the lore value and instead of like power and toughness, how they describe it is really cool. It's strength and willpower. So strength is how much damage the character deals during a challenge. Willpower is how much damage it takes to banish that character from play. Banish just sounds so creepy. Like not creepy, but it's like, ooh, banish. Like it's so final. It's very on brand for Disney though that they would use the word banish because you're being banished from the magic kingdom rather than mm -hmm. you're just dead. Exactly. I would say using the words dead uh, aren't quite exactly magical. So they're, they're not Disney esque. No. Uh, Regalia, <laughs> to my understanding, we haven't heard anything about mill cards yet. I don't know if yeah. that's an interaction that they're going to have in Lorcana, but if it is, I will definitely let you know so you can jump on that. For sure. So I know this page here um, has a little QR code that's like, look at our demos and etc. That actually isn't up yet, at least since the last time I tried. It just takes you to the Lorcana website, which is really pretty. I don't think it'll actually be out until the game is out. Then they'll have all the how-tos. So if you don't mind, Nikki, I'm, I've actually got the Lorcana page pulled up. They yeah. have... They have the welcome intro for the video. They have setting up a game and turning cards. So what they do, like turning cards sideways is literally what it says. Which oh, yeah. Exerting, so exerting. Which is quite literally also a magic mechanic. And then hi, there's Mara, inks and playing cards. Oh, uh, beautiful bean. I'm sorry. We didn't say hi to you. How's it going? 
Hello. Sorry. Hello. I know. Hello. How good of me to be talking. <laughs> then there's a video that says on your turn. And then there's another video after that that says characters. Seven is abilities. Eight is recap. So it, it is there. So all you have to do is go to the actual Ravensburger website, which I'm sure mm -hmm. that that learn to play. Yeah. QR code will take you to, and you yes. just click on this second option where it says story play product. You click on the play product and it, or play, sorry. Perfect. You'll click on play and it'll show you how to, how to do everything. Awesome. awesome. Well, I'm glad that they updated that because that literally wasn't up there like three days ago or a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be like, it's going to be very, very fun to play. I wouldn't it does. play it. Personally, I wouldn't play it in a casual or competitive setting. This would mainly be more casual collector purposes for, for me. Sure. Anyway. And I think that's why Ravensburger Disney developed this because historically Disney's not really much on the competitive type scenes anyway. I mean, Mirrorverse, I play it a little bit on my phone. And I mean, yeah, there's some combat, but it's not like a heavy combat kind of thing. You're trying to level up your characters. You do these little short burst things, like kind of like quests. So I really think that this is going to be fun for everyone, but it is going to be on the simpler side and not so combat heavy because oh, that's yeah. what they're going for. Yeah. This does feel yeah. exceedingly casual, but it does have somewhat of an edge to it because it's not so much where it's like, like we're all friends kind of thing in the collective goals. You're still trying to get lore before your opponent, but it does seem something like that we could play in between anything and you could pick it up. Your children could probably pick it up. The mechanics don't seem too difficult. Exerting your cards, challenging characters. They, they honestly don't seem hard at all. When you go into playing the game, it's very much like magic with the whole untap, upkeep, draw, except it's ready, set, draw. That's what they call it. Um, so you ready your exerted cards. That means you're going to untap them. Hey, the set, to see you. you're going to check for your effects that happens. It's like upkeep where you check for your upkeep triggers and then draw. So all of that is like the same as, as, as magic. Main phase, once per turn, you can put a card face down into your inkwell at any time. That is like playing a land for turn, except it's... Playing an energy. <laughs> playing, exactly. Or playing an energy for turn, except you're going to show a character, and you're going to be like, oh, this is my, I'm putting this guy in the inkwell. You can see his cost is like, or his mana, or whatever ink is for. <laughs> mana ink is for. So I have four there. I don't know how people are going to denote this, I would assume from my experience playing Magic that I'm just going to put dice on my face down cards and be like, yeah, this is how much it is. Because I need a visual to keep track. And just be laid out the way that we do in Magic. Because mm -hmm. even in Pokemon, you you display your energy cards, don't you? So you know how many you have. Yes, oh, no, yeah. they get attached to cards. But Except you can, you can play these cards out of your inkwell later. So that that kind of reminds me a little bit more of Force hey, of Will. Hey, welcome back. That does remind me of the separate mana pool that you would pull from for that. But I, I never played it. I just, you know, working at a card shop, that's how I heard about the rules and stuff I like that. I never played it either. But, I mean, I had so many people try to get me to play it, and now nobody plays it anymore. So I'm glad I didn't <laughs> invest in that. <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, it definitely took a nosedive. But speaking of similarities to magic, like you mentioned earlier, Nikki, just like the exerted ability as well, there is a storyline to Lorcana. Mm -hmm. If you want to take us into the story, I'd like to know, because this seems pretty good. It, it definitely seems far more magical than, than a lot of us probably would have ex expected. But it is Are Disney you talking about you being an Illuminaire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if you actually, Des, want to, because I had a better idea, um, go to the Lorcana webpage. They have the whole Lumineer video if you want to show that to everyone. Oh, yeah. Give me just a second. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I it, think it it's, reminds it's me pretty of, magical. You know what it reminds me of when you get pulled into this, the Great Illuminary, which is where it pulls you into it. It reminds me a lot of Pokemon Legends Arceus, where mm -hmm. you're being pulled from some alternate dimension into this new place that you've never been to before and Arceus talks to you and gives you this whole thing of you've got to get this Pokedex done sort of thing and you know quests throughout this whole land so that's what this reminds me of which is it's like an isekai is what for those of us who are weebs it's, <laughs> it's definitely an isekai where you're pulled into an alternate universe or a video game universe you know kind of like Sword Art Online yes very much so um, and if anybody who's played Dreamlight Valley, you get, you know, you're here in a valley and now you're doing Disney work for Disney characters. All it's kind of similar. Magic. All the Disney magic. All right. So I believe this is the video you were talking about. Yes. Awesome. Let's go ahead and hit play on that. another video where she's talking and explaining it it might be underneath that one or but that was really 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 beautiful that was I hope beautiful. you all enjoyed it fortunately this is the only one that i can find on Let the website see. i think i pulled it up here okay while you're looking for that i just want to go ahead and throw something in there on the so bean footage, or excuse me, beautiful bean, I don't believe that you've joined us in the past and I see your comments on the side and I don't want you to think that we're ignoring you. Uh, what I do want to say is that Women of Gaming, Nikki, Jesse, Sammy, and myself, we are all very much neutral with JK Rowling's comments and the way that she feels about things. Harry Potter for us is something that we've grown up with and we've grown to love the story for what it is. As far as the political views, we don't align ourselves with them and neither does Women of Gaming. We are an all-inclusive group. We accept people of all sorts. We do have a focus on women, but that includes trans women as well. Uh, there is no transphobia. And non-binary. <laughs> Thank you. But you won't see any transphobia from any of us or anybody within the Women of Gaming organization. So, Oh, heck no. 
I just, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to let you know that I understand what you're saying and I appreciate where you're coming from, but it's just a love of the Harry Potter universe itself, not JK Rowling that we're supporting. And I know it's difficult to separate those two things from one another at times, but it is solely based off of our love for the universe that we grew up with. And again, not the creator and her personal political views. So to throw that in there, I just, I didn't want them to feel like they were being ignored and want to make sure that everybody has a a good understanding of who we are and what we're doing. And they had also asked about our pronouns. I can't speak for everyone, but mine are she, her pronouns just as well, but as are mine. Uh, Nikki, were you able to find that video? Um, So it wasn't a video because there was a video, but I don't know where it went. But I sent a link um, to the story page. And Liz is back in full force, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. We if no you. one has joined <laughs> us love before, you so Liz is our resident terrible bad joke. I mean, is this woman. Dad dad, the woman? The dad jokes. Bad joke. It's the dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but we love you, Liz, and all your terrible jokes. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let me switch our screens real quick. So Nikki, you were telling us that you had the chance to go to the Warner Brothers studio recently or just today. Yeah. Actually. I actually, yeah, I went today on a school field trip. I, it was really fun. There was Game of Thrones stuff. There was Batman and, you know, like um, DC in general, because I had a cough coming. Sorry. did so much prep for this first episode back. And I swear to you all, in California time, 624, my voice decided to say, nope, I'm out. Nikki, during our meeting last night, she was like, I'm sick. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was fine until she wasn't. And of course, that was right before the show kicked off. (laughs) So we are just so grateful that you guys are here sticking it out with us because you never know what's going to happen when you go live, you know? We love you. (laughs) (laughs) and thank you for sticking around yeah so i got to go there was harry potter stuff too because as all you all know warner brothers studios actually has the rights to harry potter they just lease it out to universal for um like what do you call it that's neat for the theme parks and stuff yeah so i sent these pictures the stuff i got to do today costumes are amazing i believe they're just replicas i didn't really get close enough I had I to like to embrace that Batman statue for some weird reason. <laughs> You're straight. Oh gosh, season two, daddies. Oh no! <laughs> Damn, just when I thought and we I thought we left that it. in season one. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you, pesky ladies. Hey, how's it? Hey, it's Bill. Oh, Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. <laughs> Maji says that joke may have struck a chord and you're right. It did. <laughs> wow. Oh God. I, I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Batman, weaponry? Is Batman weaponry. Yes. This, this, this is supposed to be his like bat cave. Cool. Dark Knight rises or was it actual like Batman, Batman versus Superman? It's okay, Sammy. I can't see it either. I'm blind. My glasses oh my goodness, are in the Nikki. other room. Yeah. Oh, that's the, is that the trunk from um, uh, Fantastic Beasts? Fantastic Beasts, Beast, yes. That's neat. Yeah. Oh. They did a lot of perspective oh. um, areas to take pictures, which I thought was really cool. 
Hashtag we love you, Sammy. Sammy Daddy Club. <laughs> Oh, Subscription my start at ten dollars a month. Is it? I'm, we missed you, Bill. <laughs> the friends couch, the real friends couch. This is so cool. Oh man, it was so cool. I mean, it's not an actual the actual sofa. That one was made out of fiberglass, so it was highly oh. uncomfortable. But it I mean, fun. the water is going and and everything. That's the real pool that they jumped into, or the fountain. Sorry, excuse me. Oh, that's awesome. I, I really hate to be this person, but I the moment I saw that picture, I was like, oh, back to the future, thinking that you were at Universal Studios oh, and no. not even recognizing the background. It's oh, fine. Funny. Minor, minor bad fan moment. It's it's okay. <laughs> I took a. I uh, guess yeah, we I forgive you. Pictures. Um, <laughs> stuff, we love you, Sammy. All of them. But that's what I got oh to do gosh. today with some really cool students It's actually for the gifted and talented education program known as gate. So this was like one of their first few field trips. Um, we haven't been able to really do field trips because of COVID. So this is kind of like one of their first few high school field trips because these kids haven't been able to go to school for like two years. So they, they really enjoyed it too. And they're really, really smart, really gifted and talented students. So. I was a gifted and talented student. Uh, Real Bill Dozer did ask, what is the favorite new commander from March of the Machine? As I am not a magic player, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. Oh, from March of the Machine? Yeah. That, you sound a lot better. Uh, answering Bill's question, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> March of the Machines? Oh, hands down, it's Omnath. I mean, it's not best commander that they've released. However, it is an Omnath commander, and I don't know. Kind of disappointing. I'm gonna be honest, but I love Omnath. So but he's been corrupted. I know it makes he, me happy. But, but <laughs> the, here's here's where the lore falls apart, though. He doesn't have blood that the glistening oil could replace. He doesn't need to have blood. He he just needed he's to just walk through it. a swamp to make him all five colors. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. He didn't need to have it completed. I like the. I just. I just had it. Dylan just opened a whole box. Where is it? Yeah, of course see. you did. Reg I feel like Regalia Benalia. Oh. You pull all of the good stuff when it comes to the new sets. Like he does. He and it John doesn't. Best of luck. I did not buy into this set at all. I went undefeated in pre-release. Left it at that. Didn't even get anything good out of my packs aside from maybe Archangel Elspeth. We got yeah, an OG. We got an OG um, Elish Norn and Born Clex uh, from past sets, but yeah. So if you have any questions about Lorcana, you can simply go to our page and I'll be happy to ask and demonstrate for you. There's also these videos online. I'm really interested in getting really into the game. And if there ever is a judge position or master illumineer, wizard, whatever, that would be cool. I'd like that as a title. I think I'd be willing to do that. So, Can I dress up like yeah. Merlin? Heck yeah. <laughs> you have to carry like your own dancing broom though. So. I mean, I already dress up like a professor to be a Pokemon judge. So why not be Merlin for a Lorcana judge? It makes why sense. Why not? So do they have names for kind of judges yet? We don't know. No, I don't even know if there is a judge. We're just program. literally saying that it should be wizards and okay. I'm gonna dress up as Marlin. 
putting it into the universe. <laughs> if that if that becomes a thing, then I'm gonna be it. I'd be Maleficent. I'm right there sure. with you. Yeah. Well, Des, oh, Des absolutely. Maleficent me. is my favorite favorite. I, I, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna be the Horned King because he's my favorite villain out of any villain in Disney. So, or Horned Queen, I guess. Uh, mine is Hades. Yours, well, Hades. This makes sense. He's definitely a second. Speaking of magical lands, we had something happen in the magical land of Pokemon Go. We did. We did. We did. It's a very sad thing that's happened in the magical land of Pokemon Go. So the most recent uh, Pokemon Go update has players all in arms uh, because... Tick decided to take away the remote raid passes from being unlimited. Now they're limited to five a day, and the cost went from a hundred coins to one hundred ninety-five coins, which is a dollar to a dollar ninety-five. That it's doesn't ninety-five like percent increase. Yeah, doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're buying them because your friends live in Japan and Sweden and England and just everywhere, um, it's a lot. <laughs> So for, um, for sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Jesse. For no, those of us who don't, for those of us who don't play Pokemon Go, I'll play it. I'll pull it open every now and then. I've never actually used a remote raid pass. I know they're special for a reason, especially during the pandemic. That's when they came around uh, first for the re- remote raid passes, if I'm not mistaken, or were used quite a bit. What? do the remote raid passes do and why are people so upset about the remote raid passes being limited to five so the remote raid passes allowed you to participate in a pokemon go raid from a distance so from my house there is a pokemon go raid just like a quarter of a mile but there are some people on twitter i saw that have to go 25 even 50 miles to get to the closest raid so for those people pokemon uh the raid passes allowed them to participate in raids without having to drive 50 miles just to go raid not only that but if your friends invited you to raid and they are across the country, they could send you an invite and you can participate in the raid that they're participating in halfway across the world. A great example of this, because I just recently picked up uh, Pokemon Go again, is uh, one of my friends while I was in San Diego asked me to do a remote raid and I joined in. I wasn't anywhere near uh, where I live. <laughs> where this player lives so i happened to participate we tried to take a megalugia and we died because it was just the two of us and that was really terrible but still it enabled you to uh, really band with your friends who live everywhere and now we're limited in that and that sucks yes See, i don't understand why they would limit it because how is uh, remote raid any different from getting online and playing with your friends through discord and steam you know why would they want to you know set limitations on that and not be able to compete as well in the you know remote slash long distance gaming communities so and niantic it's... business model has always been well aside from money has always been go outside and explore it's also no secret i think they're rolling out with another game so monster that's probably Hunter. why. Yeah, the Monster Hunter one. Yeah, so you Monster think they're Hunter. trying to dump fans from Pokemon Go to take them over to Monster Hunter. 
I don't see know if what it I've work. what I've read about the Monster Hunter game. They you're shooting the monsters with a paintball gun. Literally, that's what it's about. Apparently, there's a lot of you know going outside and stuff in with it, but the community as a whole for Pokemon Go has banded together and they have pinned a letter to Niantic and they're using the hashtag here is Niantic on all social media platforms to get Niantic to understand their point of view on things. Des, did you have that letter pulled up? If not, I, I can do. pull it up. Oh yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm going to read it. Don't worry. Dear Niantic, we are writing you on behalf of your customers, the Pokemon Go community. We want to start off by letting you know we love Pokemon Go. Not just Go, but the Pokemon franchise in general. We are and always will be passionate, loyal, and vocal about our thoughts and concerns. We want Pokemon Go to succeed, and we want to be able to play this game, the game we love, for years to come. Unfortunately, we, as a whole, feel unheard. Time and time again, our questions go unanswered, our concerns are not addressed, and most importantly, our needs are not taken into proper consideration. As of now, we are specifically referring to the April 6th Remote Raid Pass update. We do not agree with your decision, and the majority of us want to know, want you to know that limiting remote raids to five passes per day will harm rural trainers who lack adequate local community support, trainers with disabilities who physically cannot go outside to play, Trainers who have severe social anxiety who struggle mentally to get outside to participate in in-person raids. Trainers who work night shifts and cannot participate during the day. Single parent trainers who are maintaining children, a household, and a career with minimal time to spare. And most importantly of all, rem the remote raid changes will limit our global interaction with our trainers who we have developed tight bonds with over the last three years. Every form of trainer has equal and every right to play and enjoy Pokemon Go. At the end of the day, the world has evolved since the pandemic. The landscape of working, playing, and interacting has evolved and changed. Trainers now work at home. Through the new work-slash-life dynamic, rich, remote communities were built. These communities are just as viable and strong as in-person communities. These communities are unique, special, and one-of-a-kind, and we know from the bottom of our hearts that there is equal room to have both types of communities flourish simultaneously. It's this really is, this well is written. something that it, it is very well written. And I, I feel for all of these trainers. Now I don't play Pokemon go like a lot of people do who do play more often and use these remote raid passes, but yeah. I understand where they're coming from. I would feel the same exact way especially if I wanted to play with friends in Japan or halfway across the world or something like that, especially, and I'm a super extroverted personality. So I wouldn't mind getting up and going out and doing stuff like this, but what I prefer is not what other people prefer. Right. But for those people who they did mention who have social anxiety or who aren't good with talking to people in person or stuff like that, or just interacting with people in general or have night jobs, you know, people who work graveyard, they come home and sleep during the day or, you know, stuff like that. I used to do graveyard for a year at a casino. So I know exactly how that is. Not being able to go do stuff when you want to go do stuff during the day with your friends. This is severely upsetting to me that, and I feel for these, these people who, oh, I didn't realize that there was more to this litter. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm that perfect stopping point. So. Because... <laughs> 
the first part tells the feelings. The second part tells solutions. Okay. <laughs> so Angel, uh, much like Bruno, wants to make her appearance right now. <laughs> yes. So sorry about that. I muted myself for just a second. But no, I am a very introverted person. I have 118 friends on Pokemon Go. Of those 118, less than 10 of them live within 20, 30 minutes of me. So, and not are a lot of them. Are we friends on Pokemon Go? I don't think so. <laughs> or maybe I, we are I just think, recently. I think Jesse and I are. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that it's literally affecting people, you know, because we can't participate the way we want to. Like, mobile games are not... Yeah, I understand they want you to get outside. They want you to get out. But I have a physical condition that actually makes it kind of hard to get the um, step things. Like, yeah. the step rewards. Because I get so overheated and I can't even get five kilometers a week sometimes. And, I mean, that's just, you know... It's part of it. So, I mean, I get that people are not able to get to these places to raid because I'm one of them. You know, I, so, I mean, second half of this letter. Um, should I read it real quick? You can, yeah. Go yeah. For it. Okay. So it says if Niantic's goal is to get trainers outside, reward players significantly for doing in person raids. Reward guaranteed extra XL rare candy. Increase lucky friend odds during the first time in-person raid interaction. Offer premium items such as incubators, star pieces, etc. from in-person raids. Incentivize the in-person raids, but do not take away and squander what we've built globally over the last three plus years. Without remote raids, the opportunity to attend live events and meet within our, excuse me, meet with our global Pokemon Go friends will not be as enticing, exciting, or robust. We, as a global community, did not want the remote raid issue to come to this point. But as already mentioned, we are not heard. We are sad, distraught, and discouraged because our interactions with global friends will no longer be free to accommodate for every type of global Pokemon Go trainer. Please, for the second time, hear us, Niantic. Talk to your community. Talk to us. Let us have a discussion. The answer is beyond creating scarce limitation for remote raids, but creating a rich and sensitized environment to encourage a local community congregation. Sincerely, Pokemon Go community. Now, they responded in a very, very petty way before it got deleted. And oh, I yeah. believe we oh, have a picture yes. of that tweet. Before it was taken down. Before it was taken down. And let's just say it's not. It was very tone deaf and childish. Yes. This is it. So the reviews for going outside are in. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100% for, I'm assuming that would be audience. What Rotten Tomatoes would have. Hashtag Niantic Labs. Hashtag get outside. So... There are also other rude. people that, that it, no, it absolutely is rude and it's very inconsiderate because there are some people that do also have health conditions that can't be out in the sun for a long amount of time. And There's I don't so think that there, it may be a, when it comes to medical reasons. Yeah, it, it may be a small amount, uh, but 
there's still a vast majority of people that would prefer to have these remote raid passes. And this is upsetting that they mm-hmm. literally just slapped the entire community in the face. If and I that's may. How, I mean, yeah, no, go ahead. Um, I understand that restrictions from the pandemic are lifting, but just like it said in the beginning of the letter, uh, the world itself has changed. Everything has changed and you can't just magically go back to how it was before and be like, well, let us, you know, we'll make Pokemon Go just the same. No, that that kind of left a a shape and like scarred in a way. It reshaped the community. So instead of harming, like they were saying, you need to form to your players. And I think there was a time where, what was it? I mean, the Harry Potter dropped. So this isn't the first time that a Niantic game has, like, failed. Hello, hey. family. Hey, family. <laughs> nice to see you. So you would think that they would, I don't know, learn? How's it going, Family the Gathering? Thanks for joining us. I don't even know who plays Ingress anymore, honestly. I actually have a friend that does a singular friend though. I I picked up so, Ingress and I was just like, this is boring. I was going to bring up Pusla's point. If we wanted to bring up that comment really quick about traveling and, and not, not enough pokey stops as well. Uh, Nikki, can you do that for me, please? Because there's, there are a lot of, I know I used to live in a uh, suburb yeah, where there were second. like no pokey stops like at all. So that that's another thing where if you did want to go to a place that has a lot of pokey stops you had to go for example here old town temecula or disneyland because disneyland has pokey stops galore and gyms galore and but you had to actually travel to go to those places and i think that's one of the the benefits of having this remote raid pass where you had to go out of your way to go meet people not that that's necessarily a bad thing. And since I'm an extroverted personality, oh, it doesn't bother me too much. But it's one of those things where, I don't know. I feel like I'm going around in a circle with this explanation. But, I, I, bit, I, but I, I think what it boils down to yeah. is that there are plenty of reasons to go outside. And you know, as Pokemon Go players, we're very well aware of that. But when it boils down to it, they set something up that everybody liked and they're just ripping it away without any rhyme or reason behind it. And now that they're being told that their community does not appreciate what they've done, they're just being ignored and getting, you know, I I don't even know what to refer to this comment as other than just downright rude and inconsiderate. I mean, the, the blatant disregard for the concern and the amount of people that are expressing these concerns is ridiculous. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the best way to watch Pokemon Go go down the drain, not just because they took the raids away, but because they're completely ignoring their community. Yes. Earlier today, I was looking through some of the Hear Us Niantic tweets, and there was one that really stood out to me. In one second, I'll read it to you guys. Okay. I just saw that uh, this is from It's Fleece King on Twitter. 
I just saw this on Facebook and it made me really sad. People's circumstances, short and long-term, prevent them from playing Pokemon Go and raiding in person. This is a prime example of that. The remote raid limits need to go. The increased prices need to drop. Hashtag Curious Niantic. And it's a post uh, from a Facebook that this person is in the hospital. And they're trying to do a five-star Tapu Bulu raid. And they're needing help doing this Tapu Bulu raid. They're in the hospital, so anyone who joins them is going to have to use a remote raid pass. And they're like, there's two gyms here, and I'd really like for people to do a raid with me. I'll send invite codes once five or more people add me, and then gave trainer code. But I mean, yeah. a lot. When Pokemon Go first came out, they were talking about how to drop lures around hospitals so that patients that were in the hospital could I remember that. Yeah. Uh, catch Pokemon. Cause I mean, not everybody has the same abilities. We have people who are hospitalized and you know, if you've ever been in the hospital, hospitals are boring. Oh, they if suck. You're just... They're uncomfortable. They're impersonal. Yeah. So why not play some Pokemon go? But then if you've got only five remote raid passes, and there's only like one or two gyms in the hospital, you're not going to be able to do anything. But I yeah. feel like another another thing that I just thought of is the benefit of the remote raid passes is, is bringing different cultures together. You get an aspect of their culture. There's things in Japan that are different from here. There's things that are here that are different from maybe places in, in like Dubai and stuff like that. So it's it's one of those things where we have hear a very like a huge melting pot of different cultures but talking to someone from that country or knowing about their life in that country and just bonding over something like pokemon you really realize how many differences there aren't you know so and you learn about their their culture and they learn about ours here and stuff like that so that that's another downside to taking away i believe taking away these remote passes or limiting them to five and hiking up the price almost 100 percent. it seems like it's just kind of reducing the what should i say uh reach i guess that pokemon can have or should have that's the just response another was thing crass I of. yeah it was just crass do any of y'all actually know how Pokemon Go started? This is a little fun fact. Um, I know that it was like the closest we ever came to achieving World Peace. Like, like a Google Maps thing? <laughs> that was in 2016. In 2014, yes, Sammy. It was an April Fool's joke put on between Google and Pokemon and Nintendo. You literally, an update arrived for the Google Maps app and you would oh, yes, zoom I remember in this. to like specific spots to catch the Pokemon and it was so much fun and it they literally kept it up for two weeks because people were having so much fun with it. That's neat. In, in those days you didn't have you know in that two week time frame obviously there no raids or anything like that but you were literally zooming in on a map. So why can why is it so hard to for Niantic to understand that people are going to live different places? If I pull up my gifts on Pokemon Go, you know, you can only save 350 
postcards, which is a problem for me because I'm attached to everybody's gifts. Um, I have, you don't have to be attached to mine. <laughs> <laughs> I am attached because I've never been to California. But I have one friend from Japan that keeps sending me gifts. And I can't delete a single one because all of the places are so amazing to look at. And it's just a little snapshot. But it's still like, this is super cool because it's in another country. Those kind of friends are the friends that I raid with. And I may not be like super active in the Pokemon raiding community, but I still raid. I mean, I still matter just as much as that person who does 100 raids a day. Every player matters, and I don't think that's where their thought process is going right now, and I don't like it. Like it. Well, you know, there was some more um, controversy with Pokemon recently that I, I happened to see on TikTok. Jesse, what are your thoughts about these Pokemon cards, these extremely rare cards that nobody has been able to find, and they're selling for hundreds of dollars? Just to find out that somebody's been stealing them off the printing line. Yes. So, oh, yeah. yeah, this is a big thing. So <laughs> what happened was a person, they were stealing chase cards, like from Fusion Strike Moonbreon, which if you're a Pokemon player, you know, that's the VMAX Umbreon that's the alternative art. They literally thought that they could get away with this. They took them into a local card shop. They had 70 of the Moonbreons. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had hundreds of other cards, but the Moonbreons are the chase card out of that set. So yeah. that's why I'm saying Moonbreon. The thief brought these cards in, stacks upon stacks. And the card shop owner was like, where'd you get all these? And he's like, oh, I work at the lab. I work at the printing press. You and himself? Yes. And so the 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 owner contacts pokemon i assume went through support.pokemon.com contacted pokemon and was like hey what should i do so they got him to bring the cards back pokemon snapped in and the cards were recovered i don't know about charges or anything but this has apparently been a long ongoing process and they are just now narrowing it down to where Pokemon is allowing the card shop and Pokemon themselves are speaking out saying that the integrity of the card game is still intact that while this was Golly. a huge theft the they stand behind their packs so I'm sure that security measures have of course been increased because this guy was I mean there are like Liz said 20,000 cards that this guy was selling like super rares of. So it yeah, he gosh. stole over half a million dollars worth of Pokemon cards out of Fusion Strike. What's really funny about this is well, it's not funny actually. First of all, but ironic. I work. Would that be the at, word? Ironic. Yes. Very. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I, you guys know that I'm I'm the manager of a GameStop right on a military base. So. I had an employee that was working for me, a Navy guy, active duty Navy. He got into Pokemon a while and he started investing in it. And what ended up happening is I constantly kept hearing him say, Fusion Strike is a terrible set. Don't buy into it. Every single time we'd have somebody come in. And in the Evolutions uh, GameStop bundle box that we had that was exclusive to us, there were Fusion Strike packs in it. So he was just like, no, it's not worth it. All this other stuff, right? 
So hearing this and mm -hmm. finding out that this happened explains a lot and the reason why Fusion Strike was not worth much of anything at all. And now I'm starting to think because of the packs that I've seen opened up at my store of Scarlet and Violet, I have not seen anything open for Scarlet and Violet at all. So that's that's very worrying to me. I would not bar buy in a Scarlet and Violet to save my life, unfortunately. Uh, see, I've seen the opposite with Scarlet and Violet. I've seen so many hits, like just at my store alone, and I don't have a lot of players. I might have 20 players. We had two or three of the alternative art Gardevoir EXs, two of the Mirrodon gold cards, and one of the Coridon gold cards. We had some hits at my store. Huh. See, but I didn't buy things. any Fusion Strike or ev Evolution, uh, Evolving Skies. Neither one of those because everyone said they were bad. And guess what? They were bad. They were bad. But Evolving talk, Skies was going was back it? to what, um, what Liz right. was saying. She said roughly 3.1 million packs worth to get all those hits. And I'm really curious as to how they're going to charge this person. Because if you figure, what, what is it? It's called, it's Larson, right? When they steal stuff. So Larceny. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. So if regular everyday Larceny is up to like $999, felony Larson is at $1,000 and over. How are they going to value these cards? Is it going to be the print value? What it costs Pokemon to print them? Is it going to be the pack value? How many, you know, per pack that it goes into? Um, or are they going to do something with the odds of pulling that card versus the amount of packs that you would have to purchase? Or, you know, even that, just that aftermarket seems... value because they've completely screwed the aftermarket value on that card. You know, the trading value and everything else is 100% affected by the fact that they've pulled all of these cards out of circulation. So I'm, I'm really curious to find out how that goes down. And then, again, like Liz is saying, the re-release, how is Pokemon going to re, um, introduce these cards back into the uh, circulation? 950 or less. Thank you, Popsky. Yeah, I mean, they re-release sets all the time. Like, they get reprinted all the time, and that's not out of the ordinary. But I am curious as well, because they are standing behind their product. They are saying that there is no problem with the Fusion Strike pools, when clearly there was, because were these just extra cards? I don't think so. Like, Pokemon does their quality checks on their cards are not the greatest i love pokemon i love pokemon cards but the amount of miscuts there's literally a group i'm in on facebook called po pokemon gotta miscut them all or misprint them all or something like that and literally there are people all the time where they're jagged and all janky <laughs> with the cuts mm -hmm. so it's not that they're removing these from circulation due to a quality assurance issue I can promise yeah. you that. And yeah, see that that's what I was talking about Nando because they don't guarantee the hits in the pack, which is true. But the aftermarket they price on those cards skyrocketed because they were brought out of circulation. So it just makes me wonder if you know they're going to take into account the value of the card itself on the aftermarket, the value oh, no. of what it was printed at because that's, you know, cents on the dollar it costs to print a Pokemon card. But there's so yeah. many avenues that they could take in finding the actual value of this card 
And I'm just, I'm curious to see what the legal aspect of it is going to say. Um, that's not their problem because it's not their money. They make money through their sealed product. Um, anything afterwards is secondary market. So the fact that the it's making, that there's not as much of them, it makes them more expensive, makes people want to get them even more because of the price point. So they're going to do absolutely nothing about it. Liz, you're absolutely right. I have no idea. Like, this did happen because Fusion Strike was, what, two years ago? So, because I know it was post-COVID. Um, it happened a few years ago, but the card shop and Pokemon were both completely quiet on it until the investigation completed. I assume they've already been through the courts because courts take a while. So, that tells me that there might be a court case about this, but we may not realize it for a few months, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this story and to see if anything more develops. And if it does, obviously we can mention it here on the podcast. Yeah, oh, for sure. Be interesting to watch. Yeah. I but I really hope somebody wouldn't do this at wizards. This, this is, this sucks. I, I feel for all of those collectors out there that were trying to to get masters sets of Fusion Strike, and it cost them a bloody mint to do it because of the Mew V Max, Gengar V Max, Espeon stuff like that 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 they were trying to get, and then the one that you the Moonbrion that you were trying is that the Espeon or is it Umbreon with Umbreon. Gotcha. Yeah. So if that were to happen to Magic, and I swear to God, if it happens to the Lord of the Rings set. Yeah. Coming for you. Second Coming ski. For you. Another ski. We have two skis in the chat. Oh. Oh, that's that's a friend of mine. <laughs> we appreciate oh, okay. you being here. Yeah. Hola. Hello, hello. Oh, hey, hello. Got his hands full, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll definitely have to come back to this story, hopefully, as 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 things evolve. <laughs> See what I did there. Yeah, exactly, Nando. Exactly. Like a normal alt art sits at about a hundred, a hundred and fifty. That one is over eight hundred. And I've that's never crazy. seen a single one. That that's unheard that's of for an ungraded is, Pokemon card. The fact that it went missing is just gonna make them more money. Pokemon like, is a very not gonna do anything about that. game. Yeah. And so for a card to be that is not even really played that much, mind you. To be over eight hundred dollars, that is a red flag to me, like full on. Uh, don't play magic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I play commander. If you're if you're looking for a reasonably placed game girlfriend, do not play magic. <laughs> don't, don't come to magic. Nope. Easily, every one of my decks is worth like a thousand dollars. Like I play Pokemon, yeah. I play Digimon, and both of my decks are well. My Pokemon deck is worth over a hundred because it's got my alt art and full art Gardevoir EX in it. That push my deck You know what's so funny? Is any, any magic player is just like, oh, just a, over a hundred. I know. I'm just like, that's like the price of one of my cards. That's a pauper yeah. uh, format deck. Yes. They told me it was going to cost around like 50 bucks. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you, are you building me a shitty deck right now? Like, what is this? They're like, oh no, Pokemon's just really cheap compared to Magic. It's like, right, oh, yeah. you're telling me that I'm buying a whole deck for the cost of one cart? 
Yeah, I put a Kindred Dominance in my rat deck, which is like almost $50 because it's only been printed once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's an expensive and ridiculous. It's not even that good. I mean, it's good, but it's not even that good. Like That's how I felt spending $350 on a Sarah Sanctum when I had my Goshen tie deck. <laughs> and y'all wonder why I don't play Magic. <laughs> I was like, that, was a, that was a whole ass card payment. I tell you that much. <laughs> At least it had value, though. So I was like right, Toyota. Tight. I was like Toyota. I'm not paying this month. <laughs> oh my gosh, Maji, <laughs> Majin right. Sean. Not, not oh pick. my gosh, Majin Sean. I Majin, love that. Majin, Joint Commander. They said save money on cards. They said yes. <laughs> it was a lie. It was a dirty, dirty. <laughs> it's only a hundred card deck. Oh the save money comes from it being an internal format and nothing rotating out. So I think that's where that aspect of things got thrown in. But standard, forget it. Don't buy a loot tree. Do. Just don't don't do don't. it. You don't need don't. it because mm-hmm. you'll never be able to play it. And oath, <laughs> nope. And then Oathbreaker's probably not even worth it. So. <laughs> oh man. Nope. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we are at actually ten past the hour now, which. We're trying to stick down to an hour so we don't lose anybody, but here we are. We were just um, so thank excited. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Our next event coming up is going to be on May 3rd. That's the – no, I'm sorry, May 2nd, because we've changed our Ladies' Nights at Cardboardia to the first Tuesday of every month. So if you're in the SoCal area, Cardboardia in Marietta, California is where we'll be. It starts at 6 p.m. We're going to be adding more things to our schedule in the next upcoming weeks. So be sure to check out womenofgaming.com. We'll have a live calendar update very soon. And all of our events, including the podcast, will be listed. Other than that, we're so, so happy you could join us tonight. Thank you for dealing with our technical difficulties and our illnesses and allergies. Sorry. Um, family the Gathering. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. I will also I think not... that we're going to be going oh. to Minneapolis, but Vegas is possibly in the cards for at least some of us. I know Sam is going. We'll be seeing you soon. Yeah. Uh, So I think Command Fest for us. Sorry, Des. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think Command Fest. They haven't. They haven't revealed whether it's in Anaheim or Las Vegas yet. But regardless, God, please be in Anaheim. Kind of. So do I. Like, but (laughs) regardless, I will be there. But unfortunately, I will not be here next week for the podcast. I will miss all of you very much. But I have. Jedi Survivor things to do for GameStop. So that'll be very interesting. So, but I wish you ladies the best of luck and for next, uh, next podcast. Yeah. So again, check out womenofgaming.com. All of our socials are there. We've got a few group, different groups on Facebook. We've got our Instagram, TikTok, all of that. Oh, look for TikTok updates too. If you're not following us there, we're going to be releasing some stuff real soon. So thanks again for joining us. We will see you next week, Thursday at 6.30 p.m. for Pacific Standard and 8.30 for all you central weirdos. Have a good (laughs) night, guys.